have your Bibles, please turn to Job chapter 38. As I mentioned, uh, probably early on in the study of this book, many churches, many pastors do not go through this book because it's challenging. As I shared, sometimes the scriptures is easy, like sometimes our learning is easy. You know, you memorize two plus two is four to a point that you no longer have to think about it. You just know it. Um, and so sometimes the scriptures are very clear. As Libby shared, we're to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. Those things are, are clear. But sometimes the scriptures go through a little more wisdom and requires us to read and think and consider and meditate. And that's kind of what's happened from after chapter 2 of Job until now chapter 38. We've gone through questions. We've gone through despair. We've gone through accusations. We've gone through speculations and misinformation about God and what he's doing. And as a pastor, I'm glad we're through that. And we're now at chapter 38 where God finally breaks his silence. I find it interesting because, again, when God speaks, he is not going to give us the kind of two plus two is four. He's going to use, as I discussed previously, a Socratic method. A Socratic method is where you ask questions. The reason for asking questions is not for the teacher to learn anything, but for the student to not only learn, but understand. God is going to ask Job over 70 questions. That's a lot of questions. But he's remained silent for 35 chapters while Job's three friends and this fourth young man and then Job go back and forth with what they go back and forth with. Now there is, if you will, one thing that Job may have over us is that eventually God does break his silence. Sometimes he just lets us be in the quiet. We'll deal with that in a moment. But the Lord, like I said, asked Job over 70 questions. And so chapter 38, verse 1 says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said. Now notice, I want you to see some. God answered out of the whirlwind, out of a sense of power. He didn't answer him in the sense of glory. He didn't answer him from the throne of heaven. He answered him with these words out of the whirlwind. Oftentimes, we want God to reveal himself the way we want God to reveal himself. We want to, him to reveal himself on a throne, ruling and reigning and doing these things, or high and lifted up and majestic and awesome, and so that we can take comfort in that. But in this case, Job is communicated by God through the whirlwind. And then he says this, who is this that darkens counsel 
by words without, under, without knowledge. His initial questions is, who are you to ask such dumb questions and give such lousy answers? That's a really great start. Who are you that doesn't have a clue? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. Now, basically what God is saying, I want you to man up. Now, in case you think that's too gender specific in this world, I can also say he's saying, now human up. That doesn't make it any better. Because basically he's saying is, you're not even being great at being a man or a human. And you're going to instruct me? I'm God. You're not even an ideal person, let alone God. So God has started his questioning, but putting Job, if you will, on the defense, because Job entitled to be put on the defense. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who sets its measurements since you know? Who stretches the line on it? Or on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? Okay, Job, were you there when I created the world? And obviously the answer is no. And since you weren't there, you don't even know how I did it. And many centuries later, we still don't know how God did it because quite frankly, science doesn't want God to be involved. And so we speculate on how he did it. And even when we are so sure how he did it, all of a sudden science didn't start saying, and again, let me correct that. Science never says anything. Scientists do. Scientists start saying, oh, well, maybe because of the the James Webb telescope, that maybe our convinced ways of considering the universe having started, maybe didn't. But they're not going to go to the scriptures and say, well, then God must have done it. They're going to try to find some other explanation. So not only they were not there, they refused any understanding how it started. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who enclosed the sea with doors, when bursting forth it went out from the womb, when I made a cloud its garment and the thick darkness its swaddling band, and I placed boundaries on it and set a bolt and doors, and I said, thus far you shall come, but no further, and here shall your proud wave stop. He's going, okay, Job, you even know how I set forth the oceans and the waters and the lakes and the, and the rain and all. Do you have any comprehension of how I did that? doesn't allow Job to answer yet. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its Now, if you've ever been in any type of pain or suffering or distress, there are times when you're praying for the morning to come because the night just seems too hard to bear. And even in those cases, I can't get the time to go any faster. 
the sun comes up when God has ordained the sun to come up. And it sets when God ordains it to set. As a matter of fact, the scripture says there have been times when God has placed the sun in stationary orbit for a period of time for things to happen. None of us could ever do that. But he's asking Job, have you ever done that? That it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked shaken out of it. It is changed like clay under the seal and they stand forth like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and the uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? He's going, okay, we've talked about the light and all that and the separation. Now we're going to talk about the sea. There are those even in our current technology who say that it's more dangerous to, to delve the depths of the Mariana Trench than to go to the moon. And he's saying, you ever done that? Even in our technology, we consider it extremely dangerous. Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? And okay, do you really understand death? Our Lord does. Not only does he understand death, Jesus has defeated it. That's how powerful our God is. But he's asking Job, have you done this? Have you been able to see death and then come back? Have you understood the expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Okay, Job, you're so brilliant. Tell me what I don't know. Tell me not only what I don't know, tell me what I do know and how I did it. Where is the way to the dwelling of light and the darkness? Where is its place? Now, this verse reminds me of Genesis. Because Genesis talks about something that seems impossible in physics. It says that God took light and separated it from darkness. Because in our present world, when you turn on the light, darkness flees. But there was a time when somehow light and darkness was just jumbled up into chaos. And our God, who is a holy God, separates things, and he separated the light from the dark. He's saying, hey, Job, you know about this. That you may take it to its territory and that you may discern the past to its home. You know, for you were born then and the number of your days is great. He again keeps hitting Job. Keeps saying, you know these things because you're the one who was questioning me. So obviously you know a whole lot more than you revealed because You've questioned me. You have entered the storehouses of the snow, or have you seen the storehouses on the hill, which I have reserved for the time of distress, for the day of war and battle? Where is the way that the light is divided, or the east wind scattered on the earth? Who has cleft a channel for the flood, or a way for the thunderbolt? 
I did these things. We still try to say that places like the Grand Canyon were etched out by a river over millions and millions of years, even though the beginning of the Colorado River was below most of its course. So it's interesting how a river goes up still, but whatever. God says, no, I'm the one who cut channels. I did these things. To bring rain on a land without people or a desert without a man in it. He's saying, Job, there are reasons I do what I do. For you see, man is not the only thing I've created. And so I bring rain upon the whole earth because the whole earth is my creation. And I bring rain for the plants and the animals that exist in places that humans don't. But I'm a God who is concerned with all of creation, not just man. To satisfy the waste and desolate land and to make the seeds of grass to sprout. Has the rain a father or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb has come the ice and the frost of heaven who has given it birth? Water becomes hard like stone and the surface of the deep is imprisoned. So he's asked Job a number of questions related to meteorological and creation events here on earth and in the skies. And I suspect at this point, Job still doesn't have an answer to any of these questions. But God is going to continue asking him questions. And he's going to ask him questions like in 31. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth a consolation in its season and guide the bear and her satellite? He's saying the consolation Pleiades, which is also called the seven sisters, has this phenomenon of crossing over the skies. And Orion follows. And he's saying, can you change the course of Pleiades and can you stop Orion from following? God can. And you, Job, can you affect the universe? So God is going, you can't affect the small things. Now I'm going to go do really great things, like the constellations, like the universe. Do you know the ordinances of the heavens or fix their rule over the earth? He asks two questions. Do you understand what's going on? And in our human desires to learn we try to understand what's going on but we can't change it. we may understand better and better but we still have no power over it kind of like they say everybody talks about the weather but nobody does anything about it as if you could i would ask you to turn it down a few degrees can you lift up your voice to the clouds, so that an abundance of water will cover you. Can you send forth lightning that they may go and say to you, here we are. So he's saying, can you cause it to rain? Can you cause lightning to go specifically where you want it to go? Who has put wisdom in the innermost being or given understanding to the mind? 
have you done that? Recently in our education, we are going, doing, trying to do away with the mind. We talk about the brain. Because that's physical. God gives the mind to the brain. His angel. And you do that. Who can count the clouds by wisdom or tip the water jars of the heavens? When the dust hardens into a mass and the clods stick together, can you hunt the prey for the lion? So he's going, can you affect anything on the earth? And obviously the answer is no. There's this kind of joke that talks about, well, man finally gets to the point where he can take the same materials that God used dirt and dust and create a human so the person the scientist gets ready to do it and god stops him and says first you've got to use your own dirt see even when we try to do things we use god's creation to do them. this is can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens and lie in wait in their lair. He's going, can you feed the wild animal? Most of us are afraid of wild animals. He's saying, can you feed them? Who prepares for the raven its nourishment when its young cry to God and wander about without food? He's going, and he's going to go on and we're going to stop here. He's going to go on and talk about the animal world. And basically he says, you don't, understand and you can't do anything about it. God has asked many questions of Job and at this point Job can't give an answer and won't even try. And God as we go through the next week or two is going to ask Job additional questions. Why is he asking him questions? Because Job and his friends ask the wrong question. You see, Job wondered why God would cause the things to happen to him because he was an innocent man. He had integrity, and it wasn't fair, and why should God do it? And if I just talked to God, I could change his mind because I'm innocent. His friends said, you're obviously a sinner because if you weren't a sinner, these terrible things wouldn't happen. And Job would defend himself and they would accuse him the more and they go back and forth and basically saying, you got to figure out how sinful you are, repent and move on. They kept asking the wrong questions. As it says in the bulletin, Job and his friends have been asking why Job experienced adversity. That's the wrong question. The correct question is, who is the Lord? And can he be trusted in what he is doing in his world? Those were the questions they should have been asking. Can I trust God when it doesn't seem fair? Can I trust God in my adversity? Can I trust God that he knows more than I know? Can I trust God that his word says, that he loves me with an everlasting love. And I trust that because he said. 
I'm going to end. By asking this. If God were to ask you three questions, not seven. God were to ask you three questions. What would those three questions be? Now for each of us, it's probably a one or two of them may be the same. The third probably would be different because each of us has a different relationship with God and a different struggle with Maybe one of the questions would be, just as here, do you really trust me? Maybe one of the questions is, what is your real priority? What? And I'll let you fill in the blank. That's your homework this week. What would God ask? These questions that God asked Job, reveals where Job had error, that he might trust, that he might trust that God knows what he's doing and has the power to do it. So he asked Job's question. Because sometimes telling us something doesn't get us to understand. Sometimes we have to ask questions and ask questions and to live the results of the wrong answers and the right answers to get to that understanding. In law school, it was about the only time I ever got Socratic type of questions. And Socratic questions have been around a long time. The reason we call them Socratic questions is because that's what Socrates did. Socrates lived a long time ago. It's nothing new. And God uses this, and I'm asking that maybe God asking you those questions might cause us to have a better understanding of our relationship with him and a better understanding of where we want that relationship to be. And so you may have thought it odd or repetitive that pretty much throughout the entire time of of the study of Job. I've only had two reflection songs done over and over. There's been about two others that we did. But the vast, vast majority of the reflection songs have been what the one that we're going to sing today, Well, I trust. I will trust. And then the other one was Come What May. Because I read the end of the book. And I understood that the true question being asked here is, do we trust God? And it is easy to say it when things are wonderful and hunky-dory and the world is just 75 degrees. But whatever it is when the heat's turned up, or you lose your friends, or you lose your loved ones, or you lose your property, or even those who you thought were close to you are saying, curse God and die. I don't even want to be around you. You're like having halitosis. I don't want to even see your face. Can you still 
and will you still trust God? And the purpose of the reflection songs has been to instill in us, I will trust. Morning by morning. I'm not making a commitment for the next 30 years I will trust him. I just want to do it today. And tomorrow, I just want to do it tomorrow. I want to do it the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that, until he calls me home. But I understand that pride goes before the fall. So if I say, Lord, I'm going to trust you no matter what, then watch out for the no matter what. But God, I'm going to say, I will trust you. Just like that person said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, let me trust you. And when I'm weak, Lord, give me the strength to trust you more. Because I do believe that you have the wisdom and the love to operate your world the way you want. And you have the understanding and the wisdom to do that. We jokingly say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plan. After seeing how he questions Job, I think the true statement is, you want to make God irritated, tell him your plan. Because Job's not being warm and fuzzy here with, by God. He's attacking the point and attacking the point to get him to understand. Job, you cannot lean on your own understanding. You've got to lean on mine. And all God's people said,